Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Stick around to the end because I'll be doing the drawing for the Warrior 64 giveaway. More info on that later, but let's jump in and see what's been going on. First up is a Kickstarter for a brand new JAMA-based arcade game, and it's both really awesome and kind of confusing. So the Kickstarter's already been funded, uh, and in fact was funded, I think, pretty much its first day, so it's definitely going to happen either way. Uh, and it seems to be a game that the developer previously made for platforms like Xbox Live Arcade, and it's available to download for free on PC or through Google Play. And it's a top-down, vertically-oriented shooter, and it's a, you know the typical style of those games, so if you like those, that alone might make you interested in this. Um, and it's going to be produced on a, a JAMA board that plugs directly into an arcade machine that's uh, vertically oriented, tape, ta tape, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the JAMA board itself looks like it's a small board with an FPGA on it. Uh, it actually looks more like a CPLD, but I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to go there. And that kind of makes sense to take existing cores for chips and build it as if you were building an arcade board without the insane amount of development and producing uh, a giant big board that you would need to test and development. So that totally makes sense. The game looks cool. The scenario looks cool. The price is a little strange, though. It's 180 for just the JAMA PCB, which is fine. I don't mind spending money on something unique if I like the game. It's 240 for a complete kit, which I think includes a marquee and some instructions and stuff like that. And 270 for the complete kit plus ROM upgrade, which according to the Kickstarter means within a year of the Kickstarter shipping, an updated version of the game ROMs will be released to the backers having this option. A new ROM board and mounting instructions will be sent. The ROM upgrade will contain eventual bug fixes and changes according to feedback. So does that mean if you spent $180, you don't get the bug fix? You have to buy new ROMs even though you already paid for it? So that alone's a little bit weird. Um, and also just the fact that because it's on an FPGA-based board, the features that could be added aren't there. And I know I'm a little bit talking out of turn here because I am not an FPGA engineer, but I was a hardware engineer for a while, and I do kind of understand at least the basics of how this stuff works. And I would think the, uh, if I were designing something like this, first of all, I would reach out to the people still running arcade tournaments and doing a lot of work in the arcade scene. And they would probably tell you, if you're producing a new game, there's two features that are absolutely required. Number one would have to be some kind of video out to make it really easy to stream the games. Because the fact is, streaming is going to be the best type of advertising you could get. You know, unless you have a giant budget from a big game studio, the best way to get the word out there is to tell a couple of streamers, hey, I think you might like my game. And if they do, 
there you go. You have a lot of people already in your in your niche audience celebrating that, and there's none. Um, and I think to add a VGA or HDMI 480p output to something like this wouldn't be too much of a big deal, um, especially if you've already gone so far as to create the whole game. Um, the creator said that they're not an electrical engineer and the hardware development is the most challenging, rewarding, and fun part of the project. So cool, they're upfront about them not being a hardware developer, but that's kind of a big deal to me. I would think that people would want to just plug this into their arcade boards and then have a, an HDMI out, even 480p, because you could always just scale it in post. That's no problem. And the other thing that I thought would be pretty neat is having USB controller ports for those people who just prefer to use their own sticks in scenarios like that. I've been to plenty of fighting game tournaments that use original arcade machines, but they still have like a built-in undamned adapter so people could... Uh, plug whatever controller they're used to into it in order to just play on what they're most comfortable with. So I do really kind of think that if this was available, so you you know, maybe it's got a neat 3D printed case around it. It's got an HDMI output, a USB power port, and uh, you know, some controller USB ports. You could use it standalone on a monitor or in a JAMA arcade machine. I think that would have been a pretty amazing scenario for this because that way even if you eventually plan on getting an arcade machine but still want to play the game you could just plug it right into your monitor so i don't really know maybe i'm just over analyzing this but i just saw a brand new jamma based arcade board with a game that looks like something i would play um, and i just thought oh cool i can't wait to see what awesome new things are integrated in and there were none and it looks like you have to pay to get any future bug fixes of the game. So like I opened with, I think it's awesome and kind of weird at the same time. Hopefully the developer might update the Kickstarter or something and, and kind of clarify what they meant by that. But I'm still probably going to buy one. All of those weird complaints and nitpicks aside, it's a cool looking shooter and a brand new jam based game that I could put in an arcade machine, which I'm eventually going to get. So I'm definitely, or almost definitely going to pick one up. I just kind of wish they had gone above and beyond on this and really made something that people could get really excited about and made something that would set a precedent for any kind of game like this in the future. Last week, Modern Vintage Gamer posted a video about how the Nintendo DS graphics work, and I thought it was really interesting to see how they would blend 2D and 3D textures together in order to get the games that uh, working the way that they are, as well as the two screens having one priority over the other. Uh, it, overall, I just thought it was a really interesting way to approach hardware design, and I thought Nintendo did a good job, and the DS is even more unique to me now after realizing how they were able to get this stuff working. So I don't like to ever give spoilers for videos like this, because I like people to watch them for themselves, but if you're interested in the Nintendo DS graphics, check it out. But if you were a little more interested, I would actually suggest going back and watching all of Modern Vintage Gamer's How Do Graphics Work series, starting with Game Boy and moving up, so you could kind of see the evolution of everything, and you could kind of understand why and how Nintendo got from point A to point B and the steps they took in between. So overall, one of my favorite How how They Work series on YouTube, and I uh, hope MVG keeps at it. Greg from LaserBear has just posted a note-cut mod adapter for the high-def NES kit. So essentially, you would install the high-def NES like you normally would, but instead of cutting a hole for the HDMI port, you would then just run a flex adapter that comes with the kit through the expansion port hole in the bottom. 
Now, most consoles I've seen actually have this missing, which I don't really understand why, because there was never an expansion port for the NES. Um, but even if they don't, it looks like you could just slide it right through. And then you use a 3D printed snap-in adapter on the bottom, and you could run a micro HDMI cable through the existing track through the bottom of it. So overall, it, it seems like a really cool and unique way to not have to cut your front-loading NES in order to install the high-defness. And I always always love stuff like this. I joke that Greg is saving our col- our consoles one piece of plastic at a time, and he really is. Um, between this and the height deafness mod, which basically uh, adds a middle adapter to the top loading NES so that you could add the HDMI kit without cutting. Um, these are just a few of many of the no-cut mod adapters that Greg's been selling. So I'm absolutely thrilled to see this stuff out there for people to purchase. Uh, you know, surprisingly, a lot more people got into the whole hashtag no cut mod thing I started a few years ago than I ever expected. And it really does seem like most people in the retro gaming world, if they had a choice, and if there was something easy like this, would absolutely prefer to not have to cut the plastic in case they ever switch to some new mod in the future. So thanks very much to Greg for making these and the kits available and in stock right on laserbear.net for anybody interested. It looks like Retro Game Restore is going to be doing one more run of their transparent smoke gray cases for the PC Engine. The price is still $116, which is expensive, but it comes with the case as well as a controller case and the sticker that goes over the controller to make it really look like a stock look. Um, I have one of these and I absolutely loved it because the case replaced the yellowed, ugly original core graphics case. So I thought it was a really cool upgrade. If you already have a gray core graphics 2 that looks perfect, I don't know if it's worth the money. That's really up to you. But uh, I did really appreciate the the quality of these and, of course, how it made my PC engine look after I installed it. So the only other advice I'd give is sometimes those ribbon cables on the PC engine are really uh, fragile. So just be very careful when you swap the case around. But uh, I was happy with mine. I'm definitely glad I got it. And Retro Game Restore also said that they're looking into possibly doing cases like this for the Super Nintendo which is awesome because there are so many older Super Nintendo shells that are yellowed and cracked. And I would absolutely love to see a smoke clear replacement or even just a clear replacement, whatever. I thought it was a a really cool idea and I hope they go through with it. So I'll keep everybody posted on that. And if you're interested in the shells for the PC Engine, please check out the link in Ronnie's post. It looks like someone has just produced a stereo audio mod for the Vectrix console, which is both amazing and ridiculous at the same time, and I love it. Uh, You know, people often tease me for liking the fake stereo audio blended effect of the NES, so I can't imagine the teasing that I'm going to get for saying I think I'd really love to try a Vectrix with a stereo audio mod. Um, But I also... Don't remember any Vectrix games with super awesome audio. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just not remembering it correctly because I haven't played one in four years or something like that. But either way, I think it's an awesome project. And if you have a Vectrix and you want to add a very weird and unique upgrade to it, definitely check out the stereo audio mod. And I believe there's another one out there that's pretty expensive, but the one from B-Dub is specifically the one in Smoke Monsters post. So for more info, check out the video and the links inside.
There's now an FRAM mod available for N64 memory packs that allows you to swap the internal PCB of a standard memory pack with one that has an FRAM chip on it that you never have to worry about it losing your saves if the battery inside dies or basically the saves are written as long as the chip lasts, which should be a pretty long time. So if you had a Nintendo 64 memory pack that was losing saves or you just wanted to upgrade yours, this seems like a really neat idea. It's $28 plus shipping and handling, and I believe a lot of that cost is the chip itself is actually pretty expensive. So I don't think this is one of these $1 PCBs with a $27 markup, but I'm pretty sure those FRAM chips are really expensive, completely justifying the price of this. So uh, if you're an N64 fan and you're interested in possibly upgrading your memory pack, definitely check out the links. Another cool N64 thing this week, it looks like Forest of Illusion has found a Zelda 64 prototype. Zelda 64 was the working title before Ocarina of Time, and it looks like they found a final build of F-Zero X that had overwritten half of the Zelda 64 data, but they were still able to extrapolate a lot of stuff like inventory screen, maps, and a version of Kaikoriko Village that were this, was the same as some of the original screenshots of the game. So it's a pretty awesome piece of Zelda history. There's plenty more info uh, right here in the post if anybody's interested, but I always love to find original prototypes and kind of go through them like that and see what the differences are. And if you're not a super big fan of the game, I guess it's not that big a deal. But if you were a giant fan of Ocarina of Time, maybe going back and checking out this and giving you a perspective of what it could have been like or what it was at one time would be pretty interesting to you. So, or I guess even just checking out the YouTube videos. So please check out the post if you're interested. Terra Onion has just opened another round of pre-orders on the Neo SD Pro, both the AES and the MVS versions. And I realized Terra Onion said the last batch of the MVS Pro would be the last. Uh, I guess a lot of people gave them feedback and they listened. People want to buy these things and they don't want the product discontinued. So it looks like they're doing another round. No word on if there will be another after this, but I sure as heck hope so. I hope every few months they'll probably take interest and, and make another run of these things. Now, the price is, of course, very expensive, like most things in the Neo Geo world, and it's $685 plus shipping. Now, if you're somebody who prefers to use original consoles and original arcade hardware and wants one solution for every single Neo Geo MVS, AES, and Neo Geo CD game, then this is a pretty good option. You just have to put it all into perspective. You know, it's so easy for people to say, oh, you could download these ROMs for free, or I can get a Mr. for 200 bucks and play it on the Mr., and it's almost perfect. And all of those things are true, but this is just for people that want to use original hardware. So sometimes it's really hard to get through to people with that. Uh, I think some people misinterpret and think I'm saying this is the only way to play Neo Geo ROMs, and it's not. It's just one really great option of many, including the other ROM carts that are out there, emulation, and even playing ports of Neo Geo games on other consoles, which, depending on the game, sometimes it's good, sometimes not so much. Um, now, as far as the uh, cartridge itself goes, it's exactly like all of your other ones. There's no firmware update or hardware update, which, you know, I guess is good and bad. And to be honest, the only feature that I thought it was... I don't know if missing is the right word, but the only feature I would have liked to see is some kind of external adapter that allows you to mix 
uh, the stereo CD audio from Neo Geo CD as well um, with the rest of the audio. I don't want to go too deep into it because I already mentioned this in a video, but basically you can't route stereo audio through the cartridge pins. So you would need some kind of external mixing solution. Uh, and that 3.5 millimeter jack on the side is not audio. That's for a serial port for something else. So they would need to create a custom external solution that you could then mix the audio and to be honest, I don't blame them for not coming up with that because I don't know how many people would really be interested in that. Because, I mean, how many Neo Geo CD games, if you have access to all the originals, would actually be worth playing over the originals? I know there's a few that have updated soundtracks, but enough to justify making a piece of hardware? I don't know. I, I wish they'd make it, but I like weird stuff like that, so I'm probably the wrong person to gauge it on. So, I don't know. Definitely mention in the comments if something like that is something that you'd like to see Terra Onion make. They, of course, have their own Discord, so you could talk to them right there if you'd like about it. And it's certainly something I'd like to see. Now, these are up for sale from Stone Age Gamer and directly through Terra Onion. I believe they're all going to ship at about the same time. Uh, so my suggestion is if you're in North America, you probably want to go through Stone Age Gamer just so you don't have to worry about any kind of crazy shipping issues just because of everything going on in the world. You know, you just don't know if there's going to be a problem. I've never had a problem receiving anything from Terra Onion directly, but... You know, it's a lot of money. I would certainly choose that. Uh, of course, if you're in Europe, it might be beneficial to get directly from Terra Onion, unless there's some weird tax thing, and then maybe it is better to get it from Stone Age Gamer. I don't know. I just figured I would mention it because there's so much going on and so much changing just in shipping in general. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning that there's two sources for it. So if you're interested in this, uh, check out the post, check out the links. Uh, and I also embedded videos of uh, how it worked and the different ways I used it. And, uh, and of course, my mini MVS, because I love that thing. I don't know if I have room for it. I might actually have to trade that out for something, but I definitely think it's a cool device. Sega Extreme has just completed their Sega Saturn 26th anniversary game competition, which had submissions of original games as well as hacks, patches, and translations, and really showcased a lot of the amazing work that's been going on in the Saturn homebrew scene. We try to cover as much of it as we can here, but anybody that's really interested in the Sega Saturn and what the homebrew community has been up to should definitely check out Ray's post as well as some of the embedded videos inside it. Um, there's a lot of really impressive things in there and things that you wouldn't even expect to be appearing in, you know, 2021 on the Sega Saturn. So if you're at all interested in that, please give the post a read and check out some of the videos embedded because there's some really cool work going on and uh, something that I'd love to have or I'd love to be able to spend more time on. There's just so much cool homebrew out there. I just wish I could sit with a lot of these games that I've seen and really give them a fair shot. But either way, definitely check it out if you're a Saturn fan. Darksoft has just posted some more updates to the CPS1 multi-project. Now, they're not available for sale yet, but if you're interested, just put your name down on the interest check thread, and I guess requests for them will go out in the order in which they were entered. But some pretty interesting updates, and I think the most important one that people wanted to hear is that this multi-kit will support the entire CPS1 and CPS 1.5 library because QSound has been integrated in it. So I think that's pretty cool for fans of original arcade hardware. 
Also, I believe this will replace the B board. So CPS1 kits involve an A board, which is what you'll have to purchase or own in order to use this. And more details are coming on which specific A boards are the most compatible, which would need changes, etc. Um, this will replace the B board. So um, it's a very large board. It's probably going to be very expensive to make. I don't think official pricing has been announced yet. But this will replace the entire B board. And then if I'm getting this correct, the C board is either still required or you'll need a B21. So you'll either need the C board of the game in order to make this work, or you'll need to directly solder that in. You could kind of find those on eBay, but they're usually pulled from broken boards. So it might as well. I think most people using this would probably just use their C board. And then once that's connected, you could select your game via an LCD external controller, just like with the CPS2 Multi. So overall, that's pretty awesome for people looking forward to using all of these games on original arcade hardware. Now, of course, like I said before, as soon as I mention this, there's going to be a bunch of people saying, I could download those games for free, I could play it with uh, Hotego's amazing core on the Mister, and all of those are true, but this is specifically for people that just want to use original hardware, um, and I think many people who buy the multi-kit would probably be interested in the HDMI mod as well, so please check out that video I did a while back. Um, I just... I love using good emulation, whether it's software or whether it's on the Mr. Project. I think it's amazing, but there's just something weird about wanting to use original arcade hardware. Maybe it's because I never got a chance to own any of this equipment at all. Um, maybe it's just because I'm fascinated with computer hardware in general. I don't know what the, what the answer is or what the explanation is. I just know that if I had a flawless Mr. Core or the original board, I would prefer to use the original board, just like... Like I used uh, the analogy I used in this post, some people would absolutely love to drive a 69 Mustang and other people would think that's insane because of all the work and money you'd have to spend when you could just go buy a new Mustang, you know, with a, a low interest loan right now and not have to worry about it for years. I totally get that. But if you're into original arcade hardware and you like the CPS one, definitely put your name on the list for this for when it's released. And, uh, and if not, all of those other options I mentioned are totally awesome. They're great ways to experience it, but this is for the nutcases like me that just really want the original boards. <laughs> so this next one is really weird, and I promise it's not sarcasm, it's not a dig, it is just something that came from Polymega's official Instagram account. Apparently, they're having severe trouble with any contacts at Walmart. So Walmart was going to be taking all of the pre-order money and doing distribution for the Polymega consoles and accessories, and they can't get a hold of anybody there after there was a personnel change, and they can't figure out what to do. So the they're kind of at their last wits and are just asking anybody who pre-ordered the console in the U.S. from Walmart.com to cancel your order through Walmart and reorder at polymega.com. I'm really not sure why this wasn't on their Twitter account, on the main page of their Instagram, and you know, on their own website. I'm not sure why this was just on their Instagram stories, but it was, which is why we felt the need to make sure to let everybody know. And the other thing is that on their main page, the Polymega base unit is now selling for 450 Whereas anybody that pre-ordered it from Walmart, which the pre-orders are still live on Walmart, it says 400. So they're saying uh, you could use the discount code Walmart 50 for a $50 discount off the list price. So you don't have to spend any more on it. 
But I believe if you cancel your Walmart order and then place an order now through Polymega, you're going to be put at the end of the line. And they're already saying right on their main page that uh, please note that all new pre-orders made after January 24th are estimated to ship in quarter three of this year. So, yeah, that's, you know, there's just been so much trouble getting this thing launched. Uh, It was supposed to be out quite a long time ago. You know, you never know who to blame. Is it their fault? Is it Walmart's fault? Is it nobody's fault? But everything that could have gone wrong seems to have gone wrong with the launch of this product. Um, And it, you know, it stinks. I've had one here for six months. It is real. Um, You know, I've done some lag testing on it and I've done some basic testing and it performed decently. It performed like a high-end emulation solution. And at the moment, I mean, I imagine it would be a good solution for a few different scenarios. Not for everybody, but you could say that about any product, really. I just, I'm not sure how many people are still sticking with it after all of the delays and and all of everything else that's surrounding it. But if, uh, if you're looking for a device that plays original games from the PlayStation 1, Saturn, Sega CD, TurboGrafx CD, and Neo Geo, it's actually going to be way more cost-effective to buy one of these and connect it to your flat panel than to purchase each one of those original consoles. Make sure that if they need recapping, they're recapped. Um, you know, any other refurbishments that need to be made. So it does still make sense. And I've also heard quite a few people say, hey, I have full CRT set up downstairs in my, my basement, and I have all of those consoles recapped. And it's awesome and I love it, but I just want a second setup so I could take that disc game that I was playing, bring it upstairs and just play a few rounds of something on my flat panel without firing up my whole CRT solution, which I understand that too. That's quite a bit of money to spend on a secondary setup, but I I totally get it. I just, I'm not really sure how many people that would really fall into the category of in its current form. Now, because it's software emulation, there's always the potential that stuff's going to be added. And there are plenty of things like certain games could be rendered partially in HD, um, 16 by 9 patches that don't stretch the game, but actually add more uh, more resolution to the games so that more of the screen can be displayed at one time. And I don't think any of that's integrated yet. But when it is, that would be a really cool excuse to have an interesting way to play these games in a different manner. But that's not not yet there and that is a little disappointing because they've certainly had plenty of time to add features before these things shipped out so i don't know what to tell anybody about it other than i don't know any more than you do it's definitely a real product some people are going to love it some people aren't going to get why anybody would spend their money on this when you could buy an original console cheaper it's a fair perspective but not really applicable in certain scenarios uh but you know any more info on it, check out polymega.com, check out their Instagram account, and uh, I, I just, I don't know what else to say about this one. I hope I hope they're able to get back on track and get their product out to people. I wanted to just quickly mention a live stream I did with Cousin Scott last week. Uh, I didn't think it was post-worthy, but I thought people listening might be interested. But I basically took an Atari 2600 that's been RGB modded and tested out a bunch of games and a bunch of accessories live on stream with like a little pre-recorded intro in there just to show everybody what it is that I was using and how I was streaming and doing all that stuff. And I absolutely had a blast doing it. And I think it was cool 
to check out the different accessories and games. And I also think it was neat for people who um, who were watching to see what it's like to play a 2600 game for the first time. Because a lot of these original games, if, uh, if you don't read through the manual, you really don't know what you're doing. And a few people teased me about how long it took me to figure out what to do in Yar's Revenge, but that was the first time I'd ever played the game. So I actually think it would be it would be a pretty common experience for somebody who doesn't have the manual who tried to play the game for the first time. But it was really awesome. I enjoyed it. I was surprised at how good the Hyperkin controllers were. Uh, I, I really enjoyed both of them. Um, you know, they might they might end up being my go-to uh, depending on the game I'm playing. And as far as some of the games too, uh, I really liked any of the spinner controller games that controlled well. I always thought the the different and unique controllers that 2600 offered was the best part of the experience. Or I guess maybe uh, the the part of the 2600 experience that really stood the test of time better than others. So if you're at all interested in the 2600 library and just want to chill live stream to check out some games and and uh, kind of go through and see what this stuff is like, please check it out. And it seemed to do fairly well, so I'd like to do a lot more like this. I'd like to do uh, the same thing with the 3DO. I'd like to do it with the CDI, which is upcoming at some point soon. I'm really looking forward to that one. And probably other consoles as well, just for the heck of it. So if you're at all curious about the 2600, check it out, scroll through, and, and kind of see what you think. Okay, now it's time for the giveaway for the infamous Warrior 64. This is the console with the controller and the full accessories that came with it. You might want to think about getting an original N64 power supply and not using this one. I'm always very leery about that, but it's uh, your console. It's totally up to you. I also want everybody to know that uh, I kind of hinted about this last week, but I had sent the clear gray console with the Rad 2X to Mike Chi as a thank you. It's his Rad 2X anyway, and I also wanted to make sure that um, it survived the journey because the way I installed it would have probably lasted forever if it was just my console, but I would be really afraid to ship that overseas, and who knows what would happen to it if a shipping service kicked it down a flight of stairs. But it arrived to Mike safely. Uh, it still works, so I'm kind of glad he ended up with that one. And also, the N64 that I purchased to use the motherboard for this kit that somebody's receiving, um, I took the original case and I kind of asked in the discord chat, you know, does anybody here have a cracked N64? Uh, and the first person to respond was actually somebody who's working on the 32X 240P test suite. So it was really awesome that they were able to get uh, a completed shell. So nothing went to waste. Uh, everything was used uh, and you know, nothing, nothing was wasted at all in this entire project start to finish. So thanks very much to metal Jesus for paying out of pocket to send me these Thanks to Mike for, for sending me the Rad 2X to use and, and for always helping me out with everything. Uh, not thanks to Voltar for making me pay full price for those two RGB boards. <laughs> uh, and once again, this is the, the Warrior console that has the Intec Gaming HDMI board in it. So if I were uh, the one receiving this, I would still game on either a CRT or through a scaler. But if you want to use that HDMI outport for streaming, it should be more than good enough. Uh, all right, enough rambling. I'm going to do the comment picker uh, right here on stream like I always do. It takes a little longer just because um, I really like to do it exactly as uh, as I, or I like to show exactly as I'm doing it so everybody knows that this is all legit um, and there's no funny business. So 
We're now searching for the YouTube comments based on the criteria of giveaway. Uh, it's one word and there's no capitalizations or anything as long as it was just the word giveaway spelled right. And here we go, hitting start. And it's scrolling through all of the different commenters. John Smith. Uh, so John Smith, uh, hopefully there's not more than one John Smith. That's quite a common name, but John Smith, you are the winner. If you see this avatar, then uh, the, the this is you. You are the John Smith that you that's won. Uh, please uh, comment on this week's episode, and uh, we'll work on getting you uh, getting this shipped over to you. So, thanks to everybody that participated, and uh, you know, I'm not sure when I'll be able to do another giveaway, but I enjoy doing them. So, hopefully, I'll, I'll do one again before springtime. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks to everybody that watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to everybody that supports in any way possible. Uh, any support, whether it's the monthly services or anything else, or what keeps this website, the podcast, all the behind-the-scenes research, and everything else going. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you next week.